Hey, everybody, and welcome to the latest and greatest episode of the Fangirl Radio Show. I am your host, Jessica Dwyer, and with me tonight is probably my favoritest co-host with the most, uh, my husband, Mr. Troy Dwyer. The last time we did this, you said I was the favorite. I said bestest co-hostess with the mostest. You said maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Not going to lie. Mark Muir's pretty great. <laughs> He is, and I won't say what I said last time. Yeah, you know, yeah, we've we've we're we're, we're not going to say that again. This is round two. This is round two. The last time it was we went over long, and this time we're more prepared. And he doesn't sound like he's in a tin can somewhere under the ocean, which is good because <laughs> he's wanted. Episode? Oh, you know, Rod, that's true. Hey, remember when they killed David Anders and sucked his soul out? That was on uh, iZombie, right? Remember who did that? No. Was it Shang Tsung? Oh, yeah, I did do that. Robert Forrester. Robert remember? Forrester, yeah. Like, great. Robert Forrester was in Heroes. Remember when Heroes was good? Yeah, me either. Yeah. Um, funnily enough, um, I'm going to go on a little tangent here. Uh, I just re- I just discovered this amazing show that only lasted like six episodes on TNT that Frank Darabont did. Um, called Mob City. I remembered it. I I think I watched the first episode, maybe. And because of just it was on TNT and nobody really watched TNT, I never I never watched it. And it got canned after these six episodes. And I was just I just happened to remember it, like as I was looking up John Bernthal for The Punisher or something. And I'm like, oh, yeah, Mob City. And I went back and looked and like, holy crap, everybody was in that show. Like Simon Pegg uh, was in it as a uh, recurring guest star. Ernie Hudson, um, Paul Ben Victor ended up showing up because he shows up in everything. Um, but uh, you you made me think of Robert Forrester and then Robert Forrester and Heroes. Uh, Milo Ventimiglia is in it. And uh, also, <laughs> and I said, his name, and I said his name right. And, um, and on top of that, um, oh, I'm gonna have to look the guy's name up because he's, he's one of those guys that's like in everything. Um, so he's, you know, heroes. Well, then on top of that, it's, um, Robert Nepper, Robert Nepper's in it, who played the bad guy in the final season of heroes. That wasn't Scott Siler. Um, Dana Gould's in it. Like literally everybody, Jeffrey DeMond, Neil McDonough, who is the guy with the big, pretty blue eyes, like the crazy blue eyes. The, she shows up in everything, too. Um, so and Richard Brackey. Wait he, wait, he wasn't in Boomtown, was he? I think. Yeah, he was. Oh. And um, uh, like Daniel, Ro- Dan Roebuck's in it. My guy, my, my friend, Dan Roebuck, who almost died with me during the the. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the Walking Dead fiasco of 2016. <laughs> we were gonna die. Uh, me and him, we went out together like champs. Anyway, um, long story short, if you want to check out Mob City, there's uh, Edward Burns is in this as Bugsy Siegel, and what's interesting is uh, Bugs Edward Burns had so much fun doing Mob City on TNT that he decided to come back. Like, I think it was, uh, two years later and do a show called public morals, 
which was set in the same time frame as Mob City. And instead of playing the bad guy, he's the good guy in it. And Michael Rappaport's in that. And uh, the reason this show became a thing was because of Mob City. So it's interesting how that all worked out. Um, but uh, the show is Mob City is so good. And Frank Darabont knows how to write noir verbiage. He knows how to write a, a noir movie so well. I really want him to, to do one, like another um, noir-esque thing. But he's too busy suing AMC right now to do that. So Is he still doing that? Oh, yeah. They owe him a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> they owe him a lot of money. <laughs> and, and uh, yeah, and it's funny because all of these Walking Dead people showed up in Mob City, like Jeffrey DeMunn. John Bernthal because they like working with him because he's good people and knows how to make good things. So, um, yeah, that's, that's all I have to say that I, I just had to share that because I tried to savor part of the reason I ended up watching this is cause I watched, I finally gave up and finished the Punisher and I wanted more Bernthal being a badass cause it was so good. And then I discovered this and I was like, Oh, but there's only six freaking episodes. So I'm on episode four right now. It's like a police squad, right? <laughs> it's Mob City in color. <laughs> Special appearance by Lauren Green. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, as you can tell, Troy and I kind of share a brain. That's why we're kind of married. And um, I uh, I don't know if you guys you were kind of married. Kind of married because we share a brain. Um, I don't know if you guys remember when I killed Troy off in the first of our Halloween specials, and then he became an alien in the second one, and then the third one he ended up um, at the very end. You find out he's been kidnapped, and he is at Nakatomi Tower, and I'm supposed to go rescue him, and that never happened. So in fact, he's calling from the top of Nakatomi Tower, and uh, right now. Right. That's where yeah, you're at. The reception's good up here. Mm-hmm. And uh, Hans Gruber is taking good care of him. <laughs> <laughs> Gruber is taking care of Troy. Um, oh, Alan Rickman. Um, but yeah, so that's uh, Troy's uh, joining me on the show tonight. And if this all works out, hopefully he will reoccur again as nope. my co-host. Yes, if it works out. If I don't end up killing him before the end of this, he'll he'll come back. Nope. Yes. You want me to get you for your birthday? I'm going to get you some goop. I'm going to kill you for our anniversary. It, will it be a? You know what though? If if it's her head in a box, I'll take it. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. What's in the box? Oh my God, Goop! I don't even don't even get me started. I I just love if you guys want to watch something that'll make you cackle and then feel just a lot of anger. Um, check out JonTron's video about Goop. Uh, <laughs> that was actually pretty funny. It, and and the fact that he went outside um uh and actually did that outside the Goop pop up store or whatever the hell that was and had a. a <laughs> <laughs> what do they call that the the fire it's not fire water it's um uh the the medicine man you know van thing like uh he's selling the the uh cure-all that's really just like piss and vinegar oh, right, mixed right. together and yeah. um he he's out there selling it and and it's and people are looking at him like what and basically he's screaming about how they're just selling shit in their store that's not real and trying to get you to pay 
$700 for a jade egg to put up your vagina, which they actually sell. <laughs> That's a real thing. You can buy I know that. Uh, uh, it's made out of uh, it's not even jade that would be too much money it's like a, a quartz or like a rock shaped egg it's an egg made out of granite that you shove up your cooch to, to help your muscles get more strong and they'll charge you $500 for that I because mean, <laughs> why, why, why not what's the point of that strength, for, strength for what it's to strengthen so your. So you can do that ping pong trick. Yeah, exactly. Honestly, that's what it's. It, it's supposed to help you. It's like Kegel weights that help you build your your um, pelvic muscles and things, so you're strong and you can crush a man. <laughs> crush a man with your vaginal walls. It's your thighs. No, it's not your thighs. It's your vaginal walls. Because the <laughs> the punani is sacred. To the goop. That poor, the poor baby. <laughs> or the poor baby. It comes out of there. No, you're supposed to push. That's gross. <laughs> no, the horror. Oh, God. You know what? I, I think you just inadvertently created a horror scene for somebody. Somebody's going to listen to this and they're going to think, I got a great idea. Right. Oh, no, oh, you've obviously not read Stephanie Meyer's final Twilight book um, that turns into a Lynchian body horror out of the blue, uh, because of course it does, because Stephanie Meyer is insane. That brings me to one of our first pieces of info for the Week in Geek I can talk about, which is Stephanie Meyer's back. Wait, what? <laughs> is this new? Because we didn't talk about this. Before. We didn't talk about this both. But oh no, but you, you've you've brought this on yourself right. because you started talking about uh, body horror, baby Oof. birth, <laughs> and goop. <laughs> and, yeah. What's happening so, with Stephanie? I shouldn't even know who this is. You do though, don't you? I do. Yeah. See, I read all the Twilight books. I saw all the movies, but I knew they were trash. I mean, that's what it is. It's vampire porn trash for teenage girls. Um, and the issue here, though, is uh, I, I'm tr here's the funny part. I'm going to go. I'm going to talk about this a little bit. So Stephanie Meyer, because she hasn't had an original idea since uh, Austin Land, um, which was like, what, five, six years ago, seven years ago, and uh, was a great movie. Don't get me wrong. I enjoyed Austin Land. Did she Land. have something to do with that? She produced it. I had no idea. Um, it was a big deal because it was all like female made. Um, but it was great. I enjoyed Austin Land a lot. It was fun. You actually watched part of it with me because it was that good. Um, sure. So, so you did. You probably don't remember it because you were half asleep, but you did. Um so Stephanie Meyer, who we haven't heard anything from really except for the one other book she did about the alien, um, the host, is back. And guess what? She She's did that too? Yeah, she did the host. Oh, I guess I don't know anything about her. So guess what she's doing, though? Because. Oops. No, because she, it's kind of a weird switcheroo. So if you don't know this, um, Fifty Shades of Grey was based off of Twilight fan fiction. Bad Twilight fan fiction. The kind that you don't put your real name on. I, I did know that. And, I think you told like, me. I think her real her the the gal E.L. James or whatever her name is, she wrote it under Dragon Star Periwinkle or something like that. That was the name, or it was very close to that. Anyway. 
Nope, not slamming fanfic. I've written it, but this is bad fanfic, and it's bad any way you look at it. So anyway, that was based off of Twilight fanfiction she'd written. And it's obvious because both of the characters are more of the, you can, like, with, uh, what the, what's her name? I don't even know the name of the, the lead in freaking E.L. James's Twilight porn. But uh, anyway, uh, she, the, the lead girl is so bland and uninteresting. You can insert yourself into her. Like, you're, and that's not a metaphor. Um, you, can, you can put yourself into her brain. Like, you can become her character and put your own personality into her if you want to as you're reading it because she's that uninteresting. Much like Bella in Twilight because it's the same character. So, what did D.L. James do? Well, she decided to write Mr. Gray or Gray or whatever it was, which is the male perspective of Fifty Shades of Gray. That is an actual thing. They, Because there's no originality anymore. She just switched it to where it's the guy's perspective. And that was released like a year or two ago. Guess, okay, what, Stephanie, guess what Stephanie Meyer's doing? She... I don't know. She's writing the Edward perspective of Twilight. Oh, I was going to actually say, <laughs> I, I, I had a thought on this. The, the, mm. You just reminded me of, um, isn't this what Jim Butcher did with the uh, Dresden books? I'm sorry. Jim Butcher and um, is actually talented. Oh, yeah, I'm just saying, but it wasn't that the, the point was he, he made a male perspective of uh, what's her name's. Oh no, Laura K. Hamilton's Anita Blake is completely different from from um, from Harry Dresden. They're they're they don't have, the only similarities are their their urban urban fantasy. Uh, Anita is, Anita has become that whole thing has gone a whole different way. Um, but the Dresden Files, they're different. They're different of, other than the fact that they have that same subgenre that they stay in. These books, on the other hand, feed off of each other like bacteria. It's, it's ridiculous. And, and, and Wait, so bacteria feed off. I'm sorry. Other? I, what, 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 what do you want me to describe? I'm trying to think of mold or, <laughs> or fungus. Uh, uh, I don't goop? know. <laughs> goop, goop, goop. We'll use goop. Goop works. But here's the thing that I find funny. And I posted about this and I'm waiting. I haven't really heard anybody turn the tables on Stephanie Meyer um, like they would anybody else, mainly probably because she's a girl. Um, my, my thing is all of this time, there have been numerous articles written about how the Bella and Edward relationship is so unbelievably unhealthy and, um, how Bella, you know, wraps herself up in this guy. This is the only thing that keeps her alive. She tries to kill herself when he leaves her. Um, he stalks her. He pushes her away and brings her back. He hurts her. Blah, 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 blah. It goes back and forth. You know, it's the whole angst thing. Like 100% of it's angst. And uh, that's why teenagers fed off of it. That's why it makes good vampire trash. Because it's all this angsty sh shiz. But all these people... Um, we're writing these articles about how 
this is bad. This is a bad representation for young girls, yada, yada. And now here she's coming back with the male version of Twilight from Edward's perspective. And I have yet read anything by these people that were outraged by this, uh, denouncing it and saying, no, don't do it. Don't bring that back. Don't talk about this. This is bad. And I find that amusing. Well, maybe it's just because no one really cares anymore. But then I saw all of these people that are now that read the books. This is how old we are. Um, Twilight came out like 12 years ago. And all of these people that were in their like 15 years old, 13 years old that read that are now in their mid 20s. And they're um, they're getting excited about, oh, I get to relive my youth, yada, yada. And I'm like. Aren't you the same people that like attack all of these? You're the same people that had these issues with this kind of literature or film, and you're gung ho to attack anything anymore that you think is uh, a bad metaphor, you know, bad for people to see, or the, you know, basically the PC police. Why are you not attacking this? Not that I care, but. These are the same people that like to hear themselves speak on everything. Why aren't you attacking this? Uh, were you waiting for me to say? I'm <laughs> you know, I'm not, for you. you know, I'm not one of those people, right? I know you're not one of those people, but I'm 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 curious to see what you think because you're not in the middle of a lot of the fandom oh, stuff. Oh, I, I like don't I, care. But but isn't it isn't that funny that? that they haven't, you know, come back with, Oh God, she's back, blah, blah, blah. They're not doing that. And, but the really quickly, the reason that the, the whole body horror thing made me think of this is you haven't read the last twilight book. And I don't think you saw any of the movies. Um, but what happens in the, in the book, and it's so bizarre because her message is supposed to be one of, I'm keeping my baby, Papa don't preach. I'm keeping the baby. Um, by this, you know, the one and only time Edward and Bella have sex after they get married um, is she gets pregnant. And the baby is this half vampire mega beast that actually breaks her spine by kicking her and um, kicking her while she's in the in the uterus or whatever. And there's this whole scene and they kind of gloss over it in the in the movie. But it's like this. David Cronenberg, David Lynch body horror scene. I actually had to call my friend and go, what the shit is happening? Cause she knew where I was going to be at in the book. And I got there and I'm like, what the, (laughs) what is going on? So this young adult love story turns into Bella has to be, uh, her brack is broken. She's dying. Uh, they have to get the baby out. And because of the baby's DNA, the only thing sharp enough to cut through the placenta and get the baby out is Edward's vampire teeth. So they literally have to cut her open and he has to chew through the placenta to get the baby out. And then he has to quickly venomize um, uh, Bella to keep her alive, to turn her into a vampire because she's going to die because the baby almost killed her. And this is supposed to be like a, a, a book telling you keep your baby pro-life. Now, <laughs> you know, um, it, it dawned on me that if only she had had those granite vaginal eggs, <laughs> she 
she would have been strong enough. It's all a circle. (laughs) To have birthed that vampire baby. And we could have completely cut out the need for Edward to have chewed through the placenta. That's an honest to God scene in the last Twilight book. Oh my God. You know, I can't unknow this, right? You know, when I. Oh, it gets better because the baby ages fast and becomes this beautiful, beautiful 16, 17 year old girl in the span of like a week. Wait a minute. Wasn't that on Angel? Is that how the Angel baby turned out? But Angel was first. Yeah. And and, um, so. Uh, Renesmee, that's the name, uh, becomes this 16-year-old beautiful teenager and ends up uh, uh, meshing or bonding or whatever the hell you want to call it with Jacob, the werewolf. The werewolf, yeah. (laughs) That was in love with her mom for all this time. And it turns out that the reason he loved her so much was because Renesmi just hadn't been born yet. I, you know, um, I know I you can't, can't I, I, <laughs> I can't process this much dumb, you know, we have to move on. This was a, this we made so much money and, and was translated into 40 different languages. He's got more money than I'll ever see in my life. Yeah, well. And that's what he wrote. So, you know what? Good for Stephanie Meyer. You know what? Good for you. Good for you. People are still buying your books and they're ready to reread the same story over again. Because why not? Are we going to get like a first person account of him actually chewing through the placenta this time? Oh, God. Will he describe the taste? I don't know. Tastes I, like chicken. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it tastes like goop. <laughs> well, you know, they did make a candle. I was they made the candle. Who knows? So, um, let's cleanse our palates of goop. <laughs> Talk about something more manly. Um, so uh, Mortal Kombat 11 is coming back, and we knew this with an ex- this whole ele- Mortal Kombat 11 aftermath, and they're going to bring back some of the most awesome characters from the franchise with this. Uh, Nightwolf, Shiva, Sindel, um, Shang Tsung is sort of going to be kind of the hero. It's it's an uh, interesting trailer, and you should check it out. Uh, looks absolutely beautiful. Um so the thing that I'm really excited about, though, is, of course, uh, everybody knows that um, they keep adding like f- movie characters to the franchise um, that from the 80s and other other franchises. And so um, this time around, we're getting RoboCop. But not only are we getting RoboCop, but he's going to be voiced by Peter Weller. And that is awesome that he is actually coming back to voice this character. Um, and it looks great. I'm, I am really stoked about this. And, um, it's cool because if, uh, if you've bought, I think this is the same one that has the Terminator, um, skin that you can get, you can get the Terminator in this. And so you can actually have RoboCop versus the T-800. Uh, and the, um, it just looks Great. I'm really excited. I, I have fun with these games now. Um, in the prior recording, Troy had mentioned how 
he because Troy is an old school gamer and has played Mortal Kombat and went to like uh, championships for it. Uh, he's you said that you felt like the appeal of fighting games is sort of worn out because in the in the arcade you had a one-on-one where you could look at your opponent and you could, you know, taunt them and that kind of a thing. And that, that kind of loses its appeal when you're not playing next to each other. Well, it, more so that, you know, we came up playing in an arcade and that was the experience. You know, you would go on a Friday night or over the weekend and you would go with your friends and you would set up on one of these games and play and it would be all the regulars would come and play you. And that was the enjoyment. It wasn't, it was that it wasn't so much just that you were playing a fighting game and competing against each other, but that it was friends versus friends or friends versus rivals, that kind of thing. And that was really enjoyable. And I just, I think nowadays with everything being disconnected, well, everything is connected, but it, you know, I'm no longer, you know, standing next to someone. It's just a, a faceless name uh, in a multiplayer lobby that's playing against me. It's just not the same, same thing. And, I, and that's why I think that the, that the fighting game appeal is kind of worn out for me because I wouldn't enjoy it the same way I would have enjoyed it, say, you know, 1992, for instance. We're old, is what he's saying. But you already, you already said that. <laughs> but I'm turning 45 next month, and it's it's weighing on my my mind. Um, Being old or turning 45. <laughs> They go hand in hand, hand in wrinkled hands. <laughs> but uh, I, I kind of agree. But at the same time, I think that these games, the thing with Mortal Kombat is they keep it. It's it's they're playing to what they know will get me to to play it. Like I, it's a it's a fantasy fulfillment when you're able to have something like. RoboCop versus Ash from Evil Dead. I mean, you know, it's it's cool. I love that. I think it's fun. And they they do keep adding to this, you know, and Mortal Kombat to me, the story was always neat. I just that was part of the appeal too. <laughs> I like this I like the story what? of Mortal Kombat. No, it I wasn't. Did. I enjoyed it, and I love the characters and the background of the characters. And they're bringing back some of the coolest ones, and they're able to do it with this new technology that makes them look even better. Um, the 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 graphics of this look freaking amazing. So I'm I'm excited for it, but I get what you're saying in terms of you lose something not being able to kind of like freak out with your friends in person and right now that's really hard because we're not able to do that right now even you know if you wanted to have a you know we would we were talking about land parties at one point and how we always wanted to not have to to drag around our old computers because they were so heavy and it was a pain in the ass but now um especially with what's going on in the world it i miss that i i i enjoyed when we first played the for the first time ever um, Rainbow Six and all these land, you know, we were at a land party and we all got it and it was just came out and all these gamers that we were playing with and uh, Troy and I were Mickey and Mallory on the, on the, our, that was our screen names. Um, they were all these guys from that played like doom and, 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 um, you know, team fortress or, you know, on, you know, these respawns. And that was the difference with, Rainbow Six was once you were clocked, you were done. You know, you you got you got shot, you're out, you're dead. 
and um, they hadn't been used to that. So it was it was hilarious listening to these guys have to wrap their brains around. Oh, I can't be like gung ho and run into a room and shoot out, you know, shoot at everybody. I, you know, and I was pinging them from outside of the house and I'd hear them yell, God damn it, as loud as they could in the other room. And it was, you know, there was. <laughs> I like it. I like it. You did that with a Cartman voice. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> but it was fun. And um, I get what you're saying about that because it's right now it's it's one of those things that you you're really thinking about and you you miss being able to do stuff with other people but um it's still well, at the same time well, we missed before you know I you know I, what I, what what we talked about before was you know there was this time when we played land games and we would spend an entire weekend doing that and that was really fun because it was a you know you go with your friends and everybody would play together and we'd go down to 7-Eleven and get all kinds of unhealthy snack food and eat and play <laughs> games but and all the while that we were doing that we were thinking god you know it'd be really great if we could just you know do this at home and we wouldn't have to take all the computers down and so forth and so on so later on the uh the internet gods you know gave us cable modems and gave us dsl and we were able to do that and over the course of i don't know 20 years or so you know we uh you know we've been playing that life of i could just sit in front of my computer and play a multiplayer game but at the time that i was complaining about you know not having to drag a computer down i was missing what was really important about the experience and that was i was spending time with my friends i was doing something social and now it's become you know i just sit in front of a computer and it's a you know a faceless name and i don't know who they are i don't care who they are and i i play a game and we win or we lose it doesn't really make a difference and and that you know social element that dynamic i guess is is has been missing for a long time so that's why i don't really understand the appeal of a fighting game these days i don't i don't understand what makes you want to play a fighting game you might as well just play the game against a computer opponent because what difference does it make? You know, um, what are you getting? What are you going to get out of it? It's a fighting game. At least before, if I beat someone, like if I'm playing Shang Tsung and I, I beat somebody and I pull off a really cool fatality, you know, I can turn and and, and be smug about and about do your it. your mintat hand motions. <laughs> right, but I, I can't. You know, you can you can do it. I guess online, you can be a jerk on over a microphone, I suppose. But I don't know. I just just seems like it's that element of it's been ruined and and everybody now who's in the multiplayer sphere there's this group of people that just like to go and grief and just be miserable and say terrible things you know uh, online to other people just because they think they're anonymous and i don't know just don't really care much about fighting games anymore and and when we're talking about it i'm thinking about you know i think well that was really fun back in the 90s so how is this game relevant today? I mean, I guess uh, Mortal Kombat selling pretty well. I mean, as far as I've heard. Um, yeah, it's it's one it's super popular still. People love it, and like I said, they keep adding this element to it that allows you that wish fulfillment, which is why I loved uh, Lego Dimensions so much. You were able to, which for some reason died, and I don't know why, um, but. Uh, you were a, you're able to play with and combine together these characters that you never thought you would ever be able to see together. Like I can take 
Gizmo from Gremlins and have him running around with Doctor Who. Or I can have Tom Cruise randomly from Mission Impossible running around with Vinkman from Ghostbusters. And yeah, but what kind of wish fulfillment? I, I know. I'm just saying that that the, the random, the random Tom Cruise. I don't know why, but you know, you've got Batman running around with Gandalf. It's in in in. It's just neat, and they um, how they were able to combine all of these properties and do this, um, and so kind of with Mortal Kombat, they're able to get these. It's kind of like the the epic com- combination of an '80s kid's dream. You've got this video game that paved the way for so much and and was so much of a part of our lives growing up going to arcades and then you bring in these characters and you have this story and this technology that lets you just keep it making it more and more beautiful and look great and um just keep adding to it and i I like that okay sure but you know it's a fighting game right so it's it's a twitch reaction game but it's got 80s characters in it. So it's centered towards people our age. Yeah. But none of us play those games anymore. I own it. Uh, yeah, no, but you own everything. <laughs> I mean, so you, can't, you, you can't be the example. So <laughs> I'm just wondering, you know, it's marketed at us. No one, no one half our age cares about RoboCop or even knows who Peter Weller is. Oh, contraire. Oh, oh contraire. Oh, go on. There are... Um, Personally, um, I, you know, it's no secret that I'm helping make these documentaries about um, 80s stuff, uh, you know, like 80s horror or 80s sci-fi with In Search of Tomorrow and In Search of Darkness. But, you know, a lot of our backers and the people that are buying these movies aren't our age. I mean, there there's a lot of people that are younger uh, and in their like 20s and 30s that are um, buying these because they love those movies. And it comes back to that whole, the eighties were a special time of franchises and characters and creation of, of, of movies that what do you have to compare it to now? You know, uh, (laughs) I still, I rest my case, your honor. Um, But for, Truly, I mean, those characters in those films are still coming out now. You just had, even if even at the detriment to themselves, you just had another Terminator movie come out like last year. You have, um, you know, what else? Rambo is still going. Rambo just came out again. Now we're getting right. Demolition Man too. You've got, um, you know, right, but those movies are marketed towards people our age. Aliens. The Aliens franchise is still going on. They just released Predator Hunting Grounds for the for um, video games systems. Yeah, but again, those are games aimed at people our age. I mean, we would be more likely to play a Predator, you know, type style game than we would say a fighting game. But also, along that route, you have people our age that have children now um, that they're introducing to these characters and these kids are loving them and want these characters. You've got another Ghostbusters movie on the horizon that has a guy that was in Stranger Things. Which... Yeah, but but the stra- but that phenomenon of of tapping 80s nostalgia is aimed at us. I mean that's the whole point of and, Ready Player One. And yet 
how many young kids and teenagers love Stranger Things and are getting into that generation because of it and loving these movies. It's because there's <laughs> it's because there's people our age who have these children who glorify the 80s as as this, you know, golden time of perfection. And you know, I don't know if you've looked around, we're all quarantined right now. And yeah, but the world's I, a miserable place. It was it was a miserable place in the 80s. But that's by the way. I I understand that. But what I'm saying is that that's where this is all coming from. And it's because, again, the 80s gave us some of the best movies in when it comes to the horror genre, when it comes to the science fiction genre. That's when all these video games were coming out. That's when the technology kind of came together at the most perfect time to create this whole decade of of this stuff that is still awesome still relevant can still uh touch us in ways that we wouldn't expect you know like i always go back to you know people talk about blade runner all the time about you know roy batty and how the replicants were more human than the humans were at the time and it's it's great stuff. And that's why I think it's a, you know, people keep going back to it with this and it reminds them of a time when they were younger and had more hope. And, um, right. So that, that's the part I'm talking about is that it, it's everyone's fond memories of their childhood. That's playing out. You know, everyone forgets that, you know, we were constantly under threat of there being a nuclear war all the time, you know, things like that. Oh, I know. but, we never really but, knew what was going to happen. So, I mean, it was a different time. It was a simpler time. I get all of that. I see where the nostalgia comes from. I mean, of all people, I'm, I don't, I listen to my eighties playlist I have on my phone. It's been on every generation of my iPhone I've had. <laughs> I don't listen to, you know, I don't but, to- but the thing is, what did you do to make yourself feel better when you were worried about anything like that, where, where did you go? You went to the movies, at least with me, I went to my movies. I went to the books. I went to the video games that I loved those. You you make fun of me because I watched the same movie a lot. And, um, depending on what mood I'm in or something. And the reason I do that, and actually I just read this today, there was a case study about why people with, um, you know, anxiety disorders or depression, go and rewatch instead of watching new things, go back to uh, things that they have seen numerous times, is that it has a calming effect on them and it, it feels comfortable and it feels like home. You, you, you are familiar with it, you know how it goes, but you still, and, and even though you still know how it ends, you enjoy it because it's familiar and it's like visiting friends again. And that's what I think this is on a lot of levels. And it's kind of, it's where I, you know, if I'm sad and depressed, what am I going to watch? I'm going to try and invest myself into a new movie that I don't know if I'm even going to like, or do I want to go, you know what, I'm going to go watch army of darkness because i know it's going to make me laugh it's going to make me have fun i'm going to enjoy it it's witty it's it's something that never fails to make me happy and And i I understand that but that wasn't my challenge my challenge to you was instead of watching 
a movie that you've seen 200 times, <laughs> I challenge you to go take on a new hobby, to go learn something, see a movie you haven't seen, go you know study something you've, you're interested in but never had the time for. Because all the time that you spend watching the same movie over and over and over again, you're not moving forward. You're just constantly looking back. And you'll never grow as a person that way. That was the challenge. It wasn't that I didn't think you should do that. It wasn't that I didn't think it didn't, you know, satiate your anxiety. It was that look where you could be at 45 if you spent a quarter of that time taking on new concepts and new ideas and things that you were interested in. And I like to watch this. Like, I, I, I will challenge you to how long did you play rock band when you could have learned how to play a real guitar? <laughs> that's true. But this. I did play that a lot. But one of the things that you get from rock band that's very useful, no matter what you're doing, is just the hand-eye coordination, the reaction to sound, the reaction to the, the notes, all of that. Those are all skills. Those are all skills you can learn granted it's not the same as playing a guitar, but it's a skill that helps you with your reaction, helps you with learn how to move your hands when you want to move them. I mean, there's there's good things that can come out of that. And and here's the thing. I can go and pick up a rock band guitar today. I haven't touched one in years. I could go pick it up and I guarantee you I could play it, you know, the same way I played it years ago. So it's like riding a bicycle. So those skills are not lost on me. Well, and considering I could walk downstairs and find you like laying there and you, you look like you're asleep and you're still doing <laughs> like, like, oh, I like, how you, like how you brought up rock band. I, I don't think you played rock band in like 10, ten years. And we, we invested so much money. It's in fun. Rock band. Now, now, since we're, you know, this is all coming full circle. What, what was the real appeal of playing rock band? It wasn't to pretend to play a plastic guitar with five notes. No, it was to have fun together, having like a karaoke festival in your yeah, living room. It, it, it was a group, you know, we would all, the, all of our friends would come over. We would all play together. It was something we did together. That's that why we what, have like 18 of those guitars downstairs yeah, but, somewhere. But my point is that was where the enjoyment was. It wasn't what we were doing. It's the same as if we were playing, you know, Cards Against Humanity or, or you know, the VR. Like we've got the, you know, keep talking and before someone explodes or whatever you know, one of those vr <laughs> games or the diner game you know those are all you know you play with a family you play with your friends that's where the appeal is and that is what made games fun back in the 90s when you had <laughs> land parties the dream of the 90s is still alive right. and all you have to do is drive up to portland and we can have all of this <laughs> you know portland's where young people go to retire I had a friend. I, I sent a friend on watching Battlestar Galactica, and I had to send him the uh, the the short that they did where they end up getting fired from their jobs because they binge watched Battlestar Galactica over like a couple weeks. And I oh told him God. this was going to happen to him. That show is way too accurate. Um, so one thing though, I wanted to talk about too before we have our interview segment is, um, I'm so happy about this i can't i can't begin to tell you because it's one of our the friend of our show Derek mears they better keep him on um the cw has brought back from the 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 bog swamp thing 
So I don't know if you guys have watched Swamp Thing on DC Universe. It's one of those shows. There's only one season, so I'm savoring it. Um, but now... Uh, he is not in this. But that would be at a fantastic cameo. I would be excited. Um, so Swamp Thing was a all DC... I remember, all I remember was is that she was in a Swamp Thing and she was drowning. And I kept thinking to myself... <laughs> Don't the boobs act like as a flotation device? <sighs> no. Bad. Bad, goop. Troy. Bad. Don't, don't. Saying goop is a good thing. <laughs> I don't get, get any points. <laughs> you don't get any goop points. Um, so uh, the CW has rescued Swamp Thing from DC Universe's cancellation bin. And the story, this the kind of the story, short story version of it, is that DC Universe backed Swamp Thing, which is a fantastic. We keep talking about body horror in this episode, but f- fantastic show, just so beautiful, well acted, creepy as hell, um, so good. Derek Mears, friend of the show, um, just nails. The character, and he's got one of the most beautiful um, costume prosthetics that I've seen. Uh, they really made him look like the he just walked out of the comic. It's just gorgeous, and he brings this. You know, Derek is a, an improver. He's a super good actor, besides being a great creature guy, and he just brings everything to this. Was he Jason? Yes, he was in the new Friday the Thirteenth. That's right. I knew I, I, knew um, I knew that name. And we had started a campaign to try to get him to be uh, the villain in the remake of Highlander because he needs to be the Kurgan in every way there is. And Wait, um, are you talking about um, Clancy Brown's Clancy character. Brown, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes, he needs to be Clancy Brown's character, the Kurgan in the Highlander, and they just need to put Pedro Pascal in as uh, Sean Connery's character and be done with it. Because he looks like him, and he do it right. Or just just pretend that never happened. What the second one? Yep. What second one? That's right. You see, <laughs> perfect. It's the right answer. So there was no second Highlander. What are you talking about? Um, Remember the Mario Van Peebles one? Uh, that was the third one. Yeah. And then Adrian Paul came into the fourth one because they had to cross it over, and he kills him. The stupidest way. God, no. See, you made me think of this. Um, So anyway, Swamp Thing is a beautiful, awesome show. And it got canceled because uh, where they were filming it, I want to say it was in Louisiana, North Carolina. Sorry, North Carolina. Um, They were filming there. And uh, literally right after it aired, like started on the the, uh, DC Universe uh, streaming service they canceled it even though it was like everybody was watching it everybody loved it it was because north carolina um cut the um their tax write-offs because they were making it they they were giving these them these incentives to film there and because they they cut that they stopped production and and, and canceled the show and uh, that was just horrible because that was one of the main reasons that I got DC Universe was because of Swamp Thing. And so now the CW has picked it up 
and they're going to um, have it next season. They also picked up randomly uh, CBS All Access's uh, show that I haven't watched yet, but sounds very similar to a, um, a, a comic book series called Fables called Tell Me a Story, which is a, um, a series that takes fairy tales and makes them into like each season there's like an it's sort of like american horror story meets fables tell me a story has like the first season takes the stories of the three little pigs and um a couple other um fairy tales and kind of meshes them together into this really dark um reality so each season they're going to do that with different stories well they grabbed that because cbs all access decided to to um uh can it so I'm I'm actually happy to hear that. I'm very happy about Swamp Thing because uh, I, my only concern is they may tame it down some because DC Universe just let them do whatever because it wasn't you know a net it wasn't a network um, and they were able to do a lot of just gory disturbing stuff in that show. Um, like I said, the body horrors all over um they do them in just like the first or second episode they do a massive uh nod to the thing that john carpenter made with the, the head you remember the head and the thing mm-hmm. the, the head and the thing yes uh that's in swamp thing they do a very big nod to that and it's really disturbing as hell <laughs> so i'm really excited about that game in it. he is not Unfortunately, but there are a lot of amazing actors in. Keith um, David in it. Um, actually, uh, no, he is not. But there are a lot of great actors in Swamp Thing, the series, and uh, I'm I'm very stoked that they got picked up because, yeah, I was so mad that that got canned. Um, but uh, oh yeah, uh. Let's see who is Will Patton. That's who you would know. Will Patton's in it. Um, Kevin Durand, Virginia Madsen is fantastic, and Crystal Reed. Uh, Jennifer Bills is in there too, by the way. And okay. so, okay. <laughs> uh, so it's got a lot of great actors, and I'm really excited that they're 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 bringing it back. It's great. Be happy for me. Support that Will me. Patton was he the was he in um, Armageddon? Was he that yes. guy? Okay. That guy. You you know, Will Patton is one of those guys that oh that guy. Because he's in everything. Well, yeah, well he look he looks like somebody I know, so I I uh always remember him, I guess. <laughs> um of course the other big news is that Boba Fett is going to be coming back to coming to the Mandalorian and he will be played by Tamara Morrison, who actually played um Jingo and all the clones in the Clone Wars movie. Um, I'm very excited about that. Troy, not so much, I guess. Um, but I am excited. <laughs> and uh, would, you I, like, would you like to know more? <laughs> I know your reasons. You're since the only. We're do, since we're doing <laughs> RoboCop, I guess. you're the only person I know that is does not like the Mandalorian. <laughs> it's it's not that I don't like it. It's fine. That's not the issue. It's that it could be so much better, and it's not. I think you're going to get your wish with that because they're expanding this out. And the thing is the Mandalorian is, is was created by the, the guy who made 
the uh, the Clone Wars TV series. And the the big thing with that is he's bringing in all of these characters now that were animated in the, cl- the Clone Wars and is making them come to life. They're going to be real live people now. And that means Ahsoka Tana, uh, Tana is going to be there. And I think Rosario Dawson is going to be play her playing her in this, which I'm really excited about. And Sabine Wren is rumored to be coming to life in the show. So I'm really stoked about that. And um, I, I really am excited about Boba Fett coming into it because I think he, he actually looks like Commander Cody now. He like he has the shaved head and he's graying. And he looks, I think that, you know, they, they really did a well, great job drawing well, we him. him Aqu- we saw him in Aquaman. We know exactly what he looks like. I know, but he looks like the, car- it's so neat how it really does look like the, the Clone Wars cartoon come to life. I'm really digging that. Um, well, and that may be, I guess my, my problem is, is that, you know, we took a show that was a very minimalist show about a guy in a mask with a puppet and a situation every week, you know, even though it was a stream show, um, I guess it still was every week. Uh, and now we have it where we're just gonna, we're just gonna make it full of fan service. We're gonna have character. We're gonna pull characters. All y- kinds y- you of. You know characters. what though? You know what though? Dave Filani I, I, is pretty damn fantastic, and he. Look, if you want a live action version of Rebels, or you want a live action, I'm version, fine with just that. Make that. Just make that's, that, sure. and that's what they're doing. No, they, well, they they're doing it under the sounds like they're doing it under the the moniker of the Mandalorian. But they and they are, but at the same time, uh, the thing that so many people were mad about with the rise of Skywalker was the fact that, and especially with the Last Jedi, was the fact that they didn't get actual star wars in their star wars oh listen that <laughs> as other people on youtube have beaten to the to death i don't need to go right in and bring yeah, that up <laughs> that, exactly there's plenty of reasons why that was a catastrophe but i'm not interested i guess in watching a show called the mandalorian presents and this week it's going to be boba fett it's going to be two different people and they're you know who's going to play boba fett it's not you know who it's going to be it's going to be uh i don't know it's going to be james bond it's going to be that guy you know it's going to be anybody how would you know it's a guy in a mask i don't even think pedro pascal even plays the mandalorian i think it's just some guy in a mask how would you know uh, I will say this. I, I, I was very interested in this conversation that showed up on Twitter in the um, when the episode happened where his mask, they took the mask off of him. Right. And, oh, my God, he's not a white guy. And that started this whole oh, thing. You know what? I, <laughs> and it's like, really? That now, you know, really? Sometimes people say, I don't know if you know this. But sometimes people say things on social media just to get a reaction. Yeah, out of it people was, like she, you. Boy, did she get that? I didn't say anything. I didn't have to. Of course not. <laughs> I just watched and sat back with my popcorn eating gif and just like no, no, yeah. no. It's first of all, it's probably a forty-seven-year-old man. For no, one. it wasn't. It wasn't. It was. It was. It was a girl. It, it was a wasn't. girl. She she has a history. It's a girl. The guy in real life. Yeah, maybe. Um. So before we get to our um, interview segment, I just wanted to bring up one more thing here, which is uh, the trailer for Lovecraft Country came out. It looks amazing. Uh, Jordan Peele, J.J. Abrams, uh, co-production that's going to be on HBO. And it's a great mixing of 
the Lovecraft mythos within the 1950s Jim Crow era um, America and focuses on, um, you know, uh, uh, black characters having to deal with not only the the horrors of racism, but the horrors that actually exist out of that universe. And it looks fantastic. It's based off the book um, called Lovecraft Country by Matt Ruff. And uh, you can check out the trailer on YouTube. Really great. It would probably hurt H.P. Lovecraft's soul a little bit to know that this was happening because <laughs> he's got, I, I did hear of, that he's he got was, a little bit of a history. A little bit of a closet racist. Not really in the closet, H.P. Lovecraft. Um, <laughs> come, out, come out of the closet, H.P. Oh, he doesn't need to. Like he, he actually wrote, um, what was the name of it? There's a um, you can there's a one that he's like the oh shoot I need to find it it's very horrible but you know <laughs> but Cthulhu not so much um his, here's a quote the um the Negro is fundamentally the biological inferior of all white and even Mongolian races oh yeah you know there were actual biologists at the time that said that that thought that. Yeah, it's he's um, yeah, he's got some stuff. But the the fact is Lovecraft created this. Lovecraft was a crazy person in a lot of ways. And um, part of the reason, you know, the whole he he was scared of everything. It wasn't just black people. He 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 was scared of everything. It's not no it's not pardoning him for it. But that's the truth. And that's where all of this terror and fear and horror um, came from. And I love the fact that uh, story writers are able to take that and spin it on its axis to talk about the, the actual horrors of the people that terrified him. It's kind of a neat thing to see. And um, this show looks great. Uh, I'm really excited. And of course it looks beautiful because you've got Jordan Peele and JJ Abrams creating it, Ben Stevenson, Misha Green, Looks like it's going to be a doozy, and um, I'm really stoked for it. Um, and it's going to be, uh, I believe it starts in June, maybe? August. August. It's set to premiere in August 2020 on HBO. So go check that out. I'm I'm stoked for that. I think it's going to be fantastic. Uh, the book it looks amazing, too, and it's sold out on Amazon because, trust me, I tried to buy it, and I couldn't because of reasons. Because it was sold out. Uh, so let's talk about our. Let's <laughs> no kidding. Talk, Word talk, on the street is it sold out. Is it sold out? Yeah. Uh, I, I just heard it in a rumor. Um, so let's talk about our special guest tonight that um, I am interviewing, and I am very, very excited about. Um, we're going to be talking to Robert England. Um, I interviewed Robert for JJ Villard's Fairy Tales, um, which premiered uh, yesterday on uh, Cartoon Network's Adult Swim. It is a subversive, gross, can't can't emphasize enough the gross um, fairy uh, take on the fairy tales that you all know. Um, you know, Rapunzel, Snow White, the Three Little Bears, all you know, three the Goldilocks, all of that, and um, it's I, I can't emphasize enough how disturbing and wrong this show is, um, and uh, it's. Uh, just great and wrong. Um, 
And also, J.J. Villard has managed to put together a voice cast that combines horror greats, genre greats, um, and it's crazy who he's got for this. Like, in the first episode alone, you've got Finn Wolfhard, um, you've got... uh, I have to say again, is the the (laughs) most awesome name. He's got a really cool... Really good kid too. He's definitely loves what he's doing, and he's. I mean, we're you know, twenty years from now, we're not going to be going. Uh, who was that kid again? Finn something? No, no, it's Finn Wolfhard. You know, he's got a band. A van. A band. Band. B A N D. Stand by the river. Yes, a band, got a band of what? He's got a rock. He's got a rock band. What kind of music? Uh, a rock band. <laughs> <laughs> Like a like a classic rock band. It's they're a kind of like a modern um, rock a modern, band. Kind of a modern rock band. They're kind of like a Weezer type of sound, I Does guess. Do, is Weezer's a rock band? I'm. What would you call Weezer? I wouldn't call them a rock band. Um, <laughs> okay, well, but, does he but, do covers? Yeah. Well, no, they do their own music and uh, uh, like Link or it didn't happen. I'll have to send you the link. I'll, I will. I will find the name of the band. Give me a moment. Oh my God, uh, the Aubreys, I believe, is the name of the band. That's the name. Aubrey Plaza from <laughs> from Parks and Rec. Oh wait, no, sorry, that's not the name. Uh, the Calpurnia. Calpurnia is the name of the band. And um, oh yeah, and, and actually he does have another band called the Aubrey. So he's got two bands now. Didn't know that the Aubrey's are, they the are new. Same music. Yeah, they're they're um, they are uh, this. They he's the lead vocalist and guitarist. They are very kind of they're rock, but they're not like hard rock. They're good. <laughs> And if you listen to, I, I don't know what to, more did you describe it. It's they're good. They're I'm trying to think of what to compare. Well, like it to. I said, I, I, I'm I'm kind of Weezer, I guess. And I'm stuff. genuinely curious, and so now you gotta send me something. I will fine. Okay. But um, anyway, uh, Finn's in the first episode. Um, Jennifer Tilly, Warwick Davis, Elvira, Corey Feldman, Peter Weller again, uh, Linda Blair, Robert England, Doug Bradley. John Casser, Ashley Lawrence, Tom Kenny, of course, who is the voice of SpongeBob, Heather Langenkamp, like literally everybody is in this. And they're only like 11 or 12 minutes long. They're they're very short. And the thing that I thought of um, with them was really um, the the thing that came to mind was Fractured Fairy Tales from the Brocky and Bullwinkle series. Um, and even Robert England brings that up. Um, and I, so this interview actually will be in print. It's going to be in the next issue of Horror Hound, along with my interview with the guy who made this, J.J. Villard. So you'll be able to read that here in, in a, probably another month. Um, it'll be out in stores. Um, but it's. Uh, <laughs> but but we won't be out in stores. We won't be out in stores, but it'll be out in stores. But the magazine all, will be. But it will also be available. You can subscribe to, uh, as well at horrorhound.com and uh, order from the website, too. Uh, but yeah, so it's crazy good, but it's very wrong. It's not even on the, it's sort of Beavis and Butthead-ish. Um, that's something else that Robert brings up, but it's even more bizarre than that. I can't do it justice. It may make you puke. It's really good. Is it going to be like they're going to uh, 
watch videos of like King Missile doing detachable penis. <laughs> just laugh. Just laugh. Um, yeah, uh, just to give you a description, the thing that stood, one of the things that stood out for me, and this isn't just the first episode, just the first episode, is how the mom feeds her 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 um, trapped son, boy Punzel, by having him eat the pus from her blackheads in her back. Yeah, but I, I didn't want to talk about that the last time we talked about I, it. I, I know, but I, I have to warn people. It's my duty as no. the as the head of, of this radio show. I have to tell you, <laughs> be prepared to probably yak a little bit with this because it's just really wrong. And it's even more crazy is that, that this is the talent involved with this. And it goes to that level. It's awesome. It's awesome. Well, you know, Robert England's best known for his tv show true horror i like true horror though why is that bad oh i, I like it just fine true horror is great if you haven't if i hadn't seen tony robbins do it hey now we don't we're not talking about that i don't we're not no that you know that show got canceled like three or four years ago so yeah. it's not robert england's fault no I, um, I, did i say it was robert england's <laughs> fault absolutely not robert england resurrected this well the people that made the show and then got robert england to host it resurrected this format and i really love it if you haven't watched true horrors on um on uh the travel channel it's fantastic and you can watch it on hulu too is that the travel channel (laughs) why i it's spot travel channel has remember okay so there is a great up uh video that we watched the other night on youtube that talked about how the history channel like turned into something completely different than what it started with and and the travel channel has sort of gone down that route they all go that route it's weird that's why it wasn't very surprising he his argument was well it was an argument but his he was trying to surprise us with guess what happens when a tv show needs to attract advertisers and doesn't have a lot of money well you know they go and buy cheap reality television because it's cheap and people watch it and it gets high ratings that's you know that's nothing new to the history channel but i was just wondering you know i was musing you know why would you have true you know horror on a travel channel oh you know it's called true terror we keep true calling terror. it true horror. i kept oh, calling it true nightmares because it yeah. kept, you know it's robert england but um wasn't the true, other show called that i think it was it that's was. what's so goofy yeah. um but so the travel channel it's it's funny i love the show by the way it's great watch it robert england has the best voice ever um but what's funny is with the travel channel now if you go on there there are more shows about supernatural shiz than travel. And I'm trying to figure out, you know, like the dead files, destination, fear, expedition, Bigfoot, um, ghost adventures, ghost brothers, ghost nation, kindred spirits, paranormal 911, magic caught on camera, haunting the heartland, my paranormal nightmare. This is on the travel channel there's even one just called flat out portals to hell <laughs> really? and and i'm that that's well, I, why, where's, why, where's the closest why, one? why do you call it the travel channel now what why i mean well, if it, it's, well, okay if it's a portal to hell right travel channel 
So here's I'm, I'm saying, right? Because it, you're going somewhere. You, you, I'm going to go to hell. Well, here's where the portal is, and, <laughs> here's, here, and here's the temperature. Here, here's what's funny. So I just, I just went over to their website just to look and see if there's literally anything that is um, travel related, and I can't find anything. Like uh, there's yeah, but, legendary but, location, which is insane. What would the Travel Channel be doing normally, right? Playing at an airport, you know, like they have the Weather Channel. Well, the Weather Channel's still on because it yeah, actually well, has stuff to do with the weather. Right. When I'm standing in a, you know, <laughs> waiting for my plane at an airport, I might be curious if there's a storm. But, you know, here's the thing that I find funny is like right now they're <laughs> this is the first thing on their website. Um, the Ghost Adventures crew crew confronts frightening paranormal phenomena in quarantine. Ghost Adventures quarantine and they're quarantining <laughs> themselves with like haunted paraphernalia. So this Remember is the- the paranormal house investigators like this would be like the perfect time for them well, i They're know stuck in a house so it's um it's not their own so zach baggins is back oh god and he's, he's going Vegas. to he's going to the dybbuk box and everything they're going to be stuck with the dybbuk box i guess and then um the the picture that they have of him is though he's with that Little boy doll. I'm, I'm blinking on his name right now, but the little boy doll in in oh, New Orleans. Man. Oh, I thought you meant the one from that that movie. That oh like no, Bruce. no, <laughs> <laughs> no. That that's who. Um, I think they kind of ripped that off from though. They ripped that. Uh, Brahms, the boy. Yeah, Brahms. That's they, right. They ripped that off. Um, uh, from this. I don't know what's his the name. Boy too. Brahms. Revengeance. I thought he was Robert, Robert, the doll. If you want to get creeped out, go read about Robert, the doll. It's not Robert England, right? It's not Robert England. It's Robert, the doll. But Robert, the doll, um, my sister actually was in New Orleans and actually saw the real one. They have him in under glass and he's super creepy looking. Um, so Robert the doll, it, they the picture of Zach Baggins is with him sitting next to him, but it's probably not even the real one because the real one's under glass and this is like out in the air. Um, but I'm sure they're going to quarantine themselves with the freaking Robert doll at some point is what this looks like. So. Is, this, is this Robert the doll or Robert the doll? Because those are, those are two Robert different. Robert Zadar has died. Honey. Robert Zadar, that's two different things, right? Yes, they're two different things. I'm saying Robert the doll, not Robert Zadar. That's Maniac Cop. That's right. Yeah. He was a Maniac Cop. He was Maniac Cop. Yeah. Yeah. And he was the sole. um, Remember that movie? Are you saying he's in a doll now in New Orleans? Jesus Christ. Where does your brain? uh, Your your brain is is a tangled web. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Tangled web Cheetos it's a tangled it's rock a tangled, band. It's a tangled web. So remember when Robert Zadar and the other Estevez was in Soul Taker? No. Remember Joe Estevez in Soul Taker? Who's Joe Estevez? Yeah. That was uh, that's that's Martin Sheen's brother, Joe Estevez. Yeah, there we go. Oh my God! You never saw that on MST3K. Clearly not. <gasps> Was it a Mike or a Joel? Oh, it's a Mike, and it's so. Okay, funny. that's that's probably why. And not it's that I don't so like Mike, it's just 
good. Okay. It's so good. Oh, yeah. Sorry, my I went on a my brain went into a bad place with Soul Taker. On a twelve minute tangent about this doll, (laughs) (laughs) as it is. Uh, Some, you know what? Next episode, we're gonna have to talk about. um, You're gonna have to find your one of your favorite uh, mythology things, supernatural, possibly world stories, and then. Yeah, I'm not coming. I'm not coming back. You're coming back. Yeah. You're gonna come back because we have to unwrap the 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 delicate intricacies of your mind and how you come up not, with Robert not the Dar. Not gonna happen on radio. It's because of the way you were pronouncing it. I said Robert the Doll. I know, just for some reason, it just made me think God. of Robert the Dar. Anyway, guys, we're gonna talk to another Robert. We're gonna talk to Robert England. It's coming up next, and it's a fun interview. And um, he's another guy that likes to go off on tangents. And I ha- I can't stress enough if you never if you ever get the chance to go to a con and meet Robert England, do it. He is fantastic to his fans. He loves meeting everybody. He loves seeing unique and uh, different paraphernalia from the nightmare and elm street movies he loves that stuff he gets super excited when he finds something that he's never seen before so um he is fantastic one of the best guys i've ever met dream come true taking care of him um at a couple of those uh Harham weekends and um just great guy can't say enough about him true hero icon of horror uh modern legend and it was fantastic to talk to him again for this. So um, I hope you enjoy it. And definitely check out J.J. Villard's Fairy Tales. Again, you're going to barf a little. No lie. And uh, enjoy it. See if you can pick out all the people and the names um, that are involved. See if you recognize the voices, because I'm sure you will. There's all kinds of things hidden within it. Even subliminal messages pop up in the screen. It's really weird. Um but yeah, it's fantastic stuff. And they've already got two seasons ordered, which is great. <laughs> so um, with that, thank you, Troy, for joining me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, I can tell the thrill is palpable. I think I've, I've, I think I've ruined him with my tales of body horror from Stephanie Meyer. Yeah. No, I forgot. You know, I had completely forgotten we talked about her. That's how long ago it was. <laughs> So with that, guys, here comes Robert England. I hope you enjoyed this. Um, Check back next week. Hopefully we'll have a new episode for you. I hope you guys are staying safe. Spread the word, not the virus. And um, have a good rest of the week. And we'll see you again on Fangirl Radio. Hi, Jessica. Hey, Robert. Um, it's great to talk to you How again. How are I've you? Doing fantastic. I've taken care of you at a few of our shows, and it's fantastic to get to talk to you again. Thank you. I got to, I got to talk to JJ and I've seen three of the first episodes of the of Fairy Tales and holy crap is it just I I really needed drugs I think to really really fully appreciate everything happening on screen it was so amazing how did you get involved with this project and how was it presented to you because it was so just off the wall crazy well you know I didn't know what I was re- I mean, I knew it was Adult Swim, so that's obviously the lure for me. But, you know, um, I do a lot of voiceover work, mm-hmm. and I do a lot of animation. And uh, so I think the people in that world know me, and I've done other stuff for Adult Swim and Nickelodeon and uh, uh, Cartoon Network. So those 
that I've known in that world. Um, I don't know where J.J. heard about me. He might just have been a fan. But there's also a kind of fun getting people with a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, uh, crossover from the world of, of, you know, they've got, you know, they've got Linda Blair as Goldilocks. I know they've got, uh, uh, you know, Doug Bradley uh, Feldman. And they, they get people that have done some, 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 you know, genre stuff, which is always fun for the fans, especially if we're, we're voiceover actors as well. And I know Corey is, I did something with Corey years and years ago, uh, super robot. Uh, oh, yeah. And, uh, uh, so we, I know Corey does a lot of voice work and I do, and I guess Linda does as well. But, uh, you know, for me, there's a connection back to my youth. Uh, there was a great, one of the great things out of the Jay Ward studios, I think was called fractured fairy tales. Yes. And, you know, Jay Ward did Rocky and Bullwinkle mm-hmm. and Boris and Natasha and all of those great, great shows. And I think they had a show or a, one of the segments was called Fractured Fairy Tales. Yeah, I asked, so I asked I JJ that about as that. A sort of pre- yeah, so it's sort of a precursor to J.J. Ballard's fairy tales, although ours are just raw, much more gross, much more gross humor and raw, raw animation. They're more twisted. It's rougher. You know, it's got that Beavis and Butthead, butthead roughness to it, which I really like. Well, and, and when um, I did the show, uh, oh, go ahead. I, I didn't mean to cut you off. When I did the show, I no, no. When I did the show, uh, uh, Jessica, I, I I worked with my image before, and sometimes I've done a little bit of cleanup work with animation, but mostly you're just doing it, you know, alone, and they're in the booth. And you do a bunch of different takes. You, and maybe, you, maybe the most you have is one drawing of your character. But I got to see uh, these sort of almost animated storyboards. But they're done really rough in pencil and charcoal of, uh, of the fairy tales, which was really fun. That really helped a lot. But they were real rough. So we all, I kind of worked rougher than I normally would have. And I had more, I was looser. And also, J.J. came right in the booth and sat on a stool next to me. Uh, and, and, and that was kind of fun. I'd never worked that way before. Usually, you're looking out through glass, and, and you see them behind glass, the, the engineers and the sound mixers and the director. They're kind of like in another soundproof room. But uh, J.J. actually came in the booth with me and had the head, headphones on, and we were. it was, like, really fun. It was almost like... You know, it was kind of rock and roll. You know what I mean? It was really, it was different. <laughs> well, so and that I really was, enjoyed the session. Well, that was one thing I was going to ask you about was because I know that you've done a lot of voice work and, you know, you've done a lot of film work, but voice, voice work as opposed to theater where you have an immediate response from an audience. How did you train yourself to that new ideal of acting? How, was it difficult for you because you came from a theater world? Well, it, it's always, that's always been tricky. You know, a hundred years ago, I remember I was guest starring on that TV show, Alice. And uh, I was not playing a particularly funny character, but I was in sequences that had a lot of jokes. Now, we'd rehearsed without an audience, and I, I knew where most of the jokes were. 
And I knew I had to wait for the audience to laugh because we'd perform it in front of a live audience. But I was working with the star. Linda Lavin was the star of Alice. Mm-hmm. And what, strange, what was strange is Linda gets a laugh from doing nothing just because the, the, the fans love her so much. And so you just have to sort of stop acting and wait for this giant laugh. And it's just Linda, it's Linda Lavin just raising an eyebrow or putting her hand on her hip or rolling her eyes. And that's, it's, so, it's strange, but when you do a play, a comedy, on stage, you learn, to, you learn to hear that laugh. It starts in the back and it rolls forward, and you learn when it peaks and when to come in and start to talk again and do your dialogue again. And you kind of give yourself a little piece of business or something, or maybe you just change the weight on your from your left foot to your right foot, or you light a cigarette real quick, or you you take your hat off. You do you give yourself a little fill during the laugh. Um, but on a sitcom, it's first of all there's three cameras, so you know, you know the cameras looking they're looking at you, but they might be looking at the star of the show or somebody else's reaction. But it just sort of stops. It's like this hole. It's like a train's driving through for a second. And it's, to be honest with you, it's not really fun because it's, it's abnormal. It doesn't, it's not like, you know, when, when the gun goes off on the play, when the lights come up and you're doing a play, whether it's a Neil Simon comedy or a new comedy or, or whatever, uh, you just go and you have to live with the laughs or live without them. Or they might be bigger on Saturday night and Friday night. The laughs are bigger and longer. And you give yourself, and you, you, you have yourself a little extra thing to do. You know, you might take off your jacket and put it on the back of a chair or something to fill that pause while they're laughing. And uh, on, on a sitcom, it's crazy. So when you do animation and you have a joke, you just go for it. You know, there, you, you, what happens is the guys in the booth laugh at the first, first or second time. And that, and that's good. Then you know where it is. You know if you got you know if you made them laugh once, part of your job as a professional is not to worry about it anymore. You know if you got the laugh once, it's going to be there. Um, one of the problems I found in film comedy is the crew, the director, and sometimes the writer, they get tired hearing the same joke over and over again, and they forget that the audience at home is only going to hear it once. They haven't heard it before. They're not going to hear it 10 times like like you do in rehearsal. And so they get tired of it, right? And they want to change mm-hmm. it. They want to fix it. Or they want to improvise a little bit. What they forget is sometimes they've written a perfect joke and then they mess with it. And they don't need to because when that audience at home or in the dark movie theater hears it, it's going to be the first time for them. They are going to laugh. And they forget that. They don't trust the material as much. And I've, I see them tweak it and change it out of their own boredom. And uh, I've, I've seen them actually use a more diminished joke. Uh, it's unfortunate. I've seen them. And I've seen it with really big stars, too. I have seen it with Robin Williams. And I, I, I remember I was on that uh, great show, Soap. And, oh, uh, yeah. The great, late, great. I think he's Jack, Jack Guilford. Mm-hmm. One of the funniest men ever, Jack Guilford, was on my, my uh, I did like three or four episodes. And, you know, he was brilliant at the read-around in the first rehearsal. And by the end of the week, they changed his jokes. They got bored with his jokes, and they changed them. They just weren't as funny anymore, you know. And this is one of the great, great clowns 
of the 20th century. You know, he came from the original Carol Burnett, uh, you know, Princess in the Pea, you know, Once Upon a Mattress with gotcha. Carol Burnett, the great off-Broadway show that was re- redone with, what's her name, from uh, uh, Sex and the City, Sarah Jessica Barker. So it's fitting that so many icons of horror are in this show, um, like between you, Doug Bradley, Linda Blair, God knows who else. It because I love I love hearing all of you guys so much. But what's really interesting to me is the fact that fairy tales were kind of the original horror movies and cautionary tales back when they first were created. Can you talk about? Oh yeah, so- well, yeah, exactly. Can you talk about the progression of how these kind of were? They, I mean, like for the original Cinderella, the, in the in the original story, they cut parts of their own feet off to fit them in the slipper. Can you talk about kind of how oh, the yeah. modern horror tales are kind of the new fairy tales? Well, what happened is Walt Disney. Walt Disney softened a lot of stuff. Uh, uh, he softened a lot of the source material. You know, Hansel and Gretel is a cautionary tale. There was a famine in Germany, and the parents to discipline children would threaten them with throwing them out of the house on their own. They'd be left, they'd be, they'd be forced to leave home, and they would starve. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was the threat. So Hansel and Gretel, what happens, what's the first condition of starvation? You hallucinate. Just like seeing mirages in the desert of water because you, uh, you're you starving or you're thirsty. And what would you do if you were children and you were hallucinating from hunger? You would imagine a house made of candy and cake. <laughs> exactly. And that's the house in Hansel and Grill. But that's how cruel that is. It's just as that's as hardcore as uh, people cutting their toes off uh, in, in Cinderella so they fit into the glass slipper. Yeah, Brothers Grimm were pretty grim. Uh, and uh, a lot of that stuff just got softened uh, for uh, go to church, mom, pop, apple pie, let's all go to church on Sunday audiences. And it was Disney, what they used to call Disney, Disney-fied. It was all made more wholesome and cleaned up. But that stuff's really dark, you know. It's just real creepy. Although... You know, in defense of Walt Disney, uh, there's you know he, there's a lot of stuff he sneaks in there. You know, the Island of Lost Boys in um, in Pinocchio is pretty great, crazy, nightmarish stuff. And Night on Bald Mountain, yeah, in Fantasia is pretty great stuff. So there, there, you know, he, he if you if you left alone, uh, you know, that stuff's pretty great. But uh, I, I just think that we've sort of that's what's happened. And so I think a lot, starting with uh, Jay Ward and Fractured Fairy Tales uh, back back in the day uh, after, you know, Rocky and Bullwinkle, I think that was the beginning of animation getting, you know, changing and, and, and getting darker and rougher and funnier and more satiric uh, and, uh, uh, you know, and more of that Stan Freeberg uh, you know, kind of satiric edge to it in a, in an animated form. And then, you know, maybe you know, Beavis and Butthead breaking out. And now we're just wide open. You know, mm-hmm. it's, just, it's just wide open. I mean, obviously, you know, Fritz the Cat, you know, uh, Roger Rabbit, you know, th- those those were the places where that began, too, along with, you know, uh, a lot of the Gothic and, and, and novels, you know, the... the, the but graphic novels, but 
you know, still, it, it, it started a long time ago, and it's and I, I think the first, it can continue to mutate. I think it's really fun. I remember the first time I was at a film festival and I saw, you know, Godzilla versus Bambi. You know? <laughs> uh, he, that kind of that kind of satire is 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 beloved and sacred now, and yet it started out as something very uh, subversive, and uh, now we we flock to it. Like I hope people flock to uh, J.J. Villard's fairy tales. 